Parables start off like pictures, then become mirrors, and then become windows. First, there's sight, as we see a slice of life in a picture. Then there's insight, as we see ourselves in the mirror. And then there's vision, as we look through the window of revelation and see the Lord. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is John Elmore. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Watermark Community Church. So good to be with you on Sundays. And if you're visiting with us or exploring the faith, a special welcome and invitation to you. This morning, I want to start by doing something that, that I just feel like doing. I just feel like it. Some of you are like salivating because your BC days. Others of you are like, you look like you've done that before. I, uh, I used to smoke when I drank, which unfortunately was daily. So, there's a, uh, huh, they used to just slip out. Anyway, I <laughs> guess they changed the packaging. I'm not going to because I did at the porch and I got some emails. I'm teachable. I was like, all right, that's fair. You know, the, the feeling that you just had and somebody just yelled out, don't do it. And I appreciate that. Um, the feeling that you just had of like, you can't do that in church. And I don't mean the body, I'm uh, like the, the building, the body of Christ. Like you can't do that here. Like that doesn't, that has no place here. And I might be like, yeah, but I, I feel like it. And you would say, well, it doesn't matter what you feel like. Like you can get addicted to that and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, it's cancerous, not just to you. It's gonna be cancerous to others. Like, I don't want that. I don't want your secondhand smoke. I don't wanna stink like that. And I might say like, okay, well, I'll, I'll stand back and I'll just, you know, I'll blow backwards and be like, dude, well, then when I talk to you next, you're going to reek. There's going to be a stench about you. But despite all of those factors, the feeling that you had, I want you to like, think about the feeling and they're like, don't do it of like, you can't do that here. You can do that somewhere else, but you don't do that in church. There's something far more appalling far more cancerous, exponentially worse than smoking in church that I think every single one of us in some regard, myself included, walked into church today that is more cancerous, that is more appalling, that is more offensive, that is more destructive, and it's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Like the feeling of like, you can't smoke in here. Well, how much more would the forgiven people of God come into church with unforgiveness? That's the height of hypocrisy. The only thing that drew us unto Jesus was the need for forgiveness. Like I've got sin, you say that you forgive and therefore I'm, I'm here. Like I'm, I'm coming to you, Jesus. That's why I'm in church. My very presence in this place is like a pleading and an acceptance of the forgiveness of sins and I'm not gonna forgive that other person. It's the height of hypocrisy. It is so appalling. Like, you think you can't smoke in here? They're like, don't do it. And yet all of us in some way or another have unforgiveness in our hearts towards other people. 
Everybody, like right now. And you think about it, it's like, it's the person that you ghost. They text you and you're like, <laughs> I'm not writing you back. The person that you dread seeing at the holidays. The person that you're like, if, if you walk down an aisle in a grocery store and you see them, you're like, oh, I forgot something on aisle three. You just like, you've, you've got no desire to see them, want to be with them, whatever, or you're there with them and you smile and you fake it and inside your heart, you're like, I hate you. I hate you. How could you, how dare you not come to me? How shocking that what you did to me and you know you did it, that you would come here and how's your summer been? And we have unforgiveness in our heart when we're the forgiven ones. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. It's the essence of what we have received from Christ. And then we are conduits of that forgiveness to a world. And here's the reason why. Because we know that all are debtors. The outline that we're going to walk through today in this parable series is that the forgiven forgive the forgiven, forgive as a verb, because all are debtors. We realize like, man, I'm a debtor, you're a debtor, like I've been forgiven, so I forgive. The forgiven forgive because, because Christ has forgiven them or us. Like that's why we realize we're debtors and Christ forgave us at the cross. And then the forgiven forgive as God forgives in the same manner that we know that we were debtors, that we know that Christ has forgiven us at the cross and then therefore we forgive others as God in Christ forgave us. That is the manner by which. So that's what we're gonna do as we walk through this parable series today. We're gonna to be in Matthew chapter 18. And in Matthew 18, uh, you may be familiar with the passage. You have a conflict within the body of Christ. Jesus says, hey, if your brother sins against you, go and show him it's your fault. If he doesn't hear you, then take two or three others. Not like, aha, got you, hall monitor, but like, okay, I'm gonna bring others in your sphere of influence. We'll say like, yeah, we agree, like there was sin here and hopes to win them over. And then it goes on and Peter's got a question. He's like, hey, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Rabbinic law was like, you forgive them three times. On the fourth time, dude, they're dead to you. You know, three strikes, you're out. And so Peter goes, well, hey, how about um, seven times, Lord? He's looking for an attaboy, like I'm going times two plus one. Not, not, not three times, as the rabbis say of the teaching of the day, but I'm gonna go, hey, how about seven? And Jesus is like, no, you don't get an attaboy. You, you actually get some addition. I'm talking 70 times seven, which was an explanation for infinite, Peter. Like you don't stop. Every time they sin, you forgive them. And then he says, let me tell you a story. Peter, I'm going to tell you a parable to explain how this works and why, no matter what they do or how many times they do it, your response is to forgive as you have been forgiven. This is where we are in this parable is a like life-altering, life-altering parable. This is no commonplace Sunday no Sunday is, but I want to call your attention to the fact that I think every single person in this room is doing something they shouldn't, like smoking in church, and it should like grip us and be like, how could I? How could I? I mustn't. So I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 18. This is verses 21 through 35. You want to turn in your Bible? It'll be on the screen as well if you want to follow along. I'm reading from the ESV. 
Therefore, as after he says, how many times do I forgive? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. They're literally hearing this from the king of kings who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Now, he's gonna go into monetary explanation, but I want you to remember who's talking. This is Jesus talking to debtors, to sinners. And this settling of accounts is, is a judgment day to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Doesn't mean much to us in this day and age, ancient Near East monetary system, but it, but it will later. 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold. He couldn't pay. There was no ability to pay. Ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. I was like, no, you're not gonna be able to. Out of pity for him, the master forgave that servant and released him and forgave the debt. He's just forgiven. Doesn't even need to pay it back anymore. Just forgiven. You're released. I forgive you the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him, began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. He says the exact same phrase, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place and now there's other servants who were watching all of this unfold, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master, the king, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as, as, as I had mercy on you. And in anger, that's a key part of the verse there, verse 33. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, here's the summation of the parable. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So the first part of our outline here, it says the forgiven forgive because all are debtors, all are debtors. It says in Matthew 18, 24, when he began to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Doesn't mean much. We don't talk about talents these days. Let me tell you what a talent is. A talent is a, is a weight of gold, an incredible amount of gold, one talent. One talent would have taken you 20 years of your life to earn, 20 years for one talent. That means in the average lifetime, if you spent nothing, if you only earned and you didn't spend anything, you could earn three talents. Three talents of gold is all you could earn with one singular lifetime. This brother had 10,000 talents that he was indebted to the master. To do the math for you, that's 3,333 lifetimes of work, not spending a cent that he owed to the master. Now to the original audience, the hearers, when they said, oh, oh 10,000 talents of gold, they would have been like, that's an impossible amount. Like that's over 3,000 lifetimes of work. That's an impossible amount. And Jesus would have been like, 
Exactly. Exactly, that's my, that's my point. The debt of sin, because you know by the end of the parable, he's not talking about money, he's talking about sin. This debt of sin is an impossible amount that you will never be able to repay. The forgive and forgive because all are debtors. We are in this, this debt. Now, also the original hearers would have thought like, 3,333 lifetimes to pay that amount back. That's a lot of lifetimes of work. And they would have known from Matthew's gospel, even from Adam to Jesus was 76 generations, just 76. So this is like incomprehensible, unthinkable, this amount that was owed and all are debtors. It says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person has sinned. They don't have a savior perhaps, but all have sin. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, another monetary term. What we have coming to us because of our sin is death. And we are impossibly in debt. And so I wanna to show today this, it's a list of, of some of my sins. And you might be like, man, I'm glad I'm not on stage with a list of my sins. I, I tried to think about this. The first one, my, my parents are listening from Missouri. And I remember this. I was like, what is the first sin I committed? And I'm sure there were many, but this is the first one I, I remember. I stole my mom's mascara and I drew over, I like drew all over our front patio. And I don't have a category for that. Like if, if I found my five-year-old drawing with mascara on our house, I'd be so mad. And then she caught me and I lied to her. Stole neighbor's toy and gum. You might be like, man, get a real struggle. Just, just wait. Uh, watched a bad movie and lied about it. Had nudity in it. Stole money from my parents and from my grandmother. Lied to my friends because I was insecure. Lied and physically hurt a friend. Uh, smoking in junior high. I started, I started really lying to my parents in junior high about where I was and what I was doing. So started smoking then. Pornography and lust. Drinking alcohol in junior high. Pride and insecurity. Strip club in Mexico. Uh, drunk four to seven nights a week in college. Inappropriate relationships. Lying at work. Lying to the police. Breaking and entering. Mocking God and other Christians. I mean, it like, this, this could go on and on. And frankly, like, does. Like, it's a really long list of my sin. And it doesn't just stretch across the stage. Like this would go around the world a couple of times. I'm sure God's like, brother, you haven't, you haven't scratched the surface. Mascara on the patio, breaking and entering even. Like how about the innumerable wicked thoughts that you have had in your heart and mind? And so that's my sin. The forgiven forgive because all are debtors. I've got my like list of sin there that is so innumerable. But the second thing, the forgiven forgive because Christ forgave them. So the forgiven forgive because all are debtors, but it says because Christ forgave them. So here's the deal. This is the choice for every single person in this room who will ever hear this message. You have your list of sin, I've got mine. And, and supernaturally speaking, there is a list. This is not like some illustration. There is a list of sin, it's called a decree that stands against you. You've got your list of sin. And again, remember, we're talking about unforgiveness. So you've got yours and you have a choice. Every single person has a singular choice. It says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for man to die once, 
and then face judgment, to spend eternity in heaven or hell, and the only thing that will determine where you spend heaven or hell is who's holding the list. You see, the list will either, you will walk into heaven, you will live, sin, die, and stand before God in judgment, and you may have the list, or that list will be upon Jesus at the cross. Those are the only two options. You walk into eternity and stand before God, and he says, what have you done with your life? And he's got this decree of sin against you, and at that point, your fate is sealed, and there's no alternative, or you go to Christ's cross. Listen to this, this is Colossians chapter two, verses 13 and 14, it's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. It says, you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that means you were dead in sin, not yet born again. It says, God made alive together with him, him being Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling, listen to the monetary language here, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. There's a legal demand, like you're indebted to a king at judgment day, he is settling accounts, and you have a legal decree that is indebtedness, that stands opposed to you, it stands against you with its legal demands. It says this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And so right now, you need to realize and think like, is my sin still upon me? or has it been nailed to the cross? Am I going to walk into eternity with my sin and my list unto judgment, or have I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins? And so mine no longer define me. They're not upon me, they're upon Jesus. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's no longer on the cross. He's been raised from the dead to show that he was fully God, fully man, overcame sin, death, and Satan. And the forgiven forgive here in church, the body of Christ, the forgiven forgive freely because they know everyone's a debtor. I sin, they sin, they sin against me, they sin against God. I have been forgiven. Christ has forgiven me. All of my debt has been nailed to the cross. And so how could I not forgive as I have been forgiven? Forgiven people forgive people. So the forgiven forgive because all are debtors. The forgiven forgive because Christ forgave them. And now we're going to spend the most time on this third point, which is the forgiven forgive as, which means in the same manner as God forgives which is verse 33 in this parable. He says, Jesus says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as, as I had on you? He's like, I, I forgave 3,000 lifetimes of debt and now you're not forgiving your fellow servant? And by the way, the fellow servant, he owed him three months of work. Three months. 3,000 lifetimes compared to three months. And I think it's a really good picture of this. Like, you know, 
Here's a lifetime of my sin that I said, again, I mean, it could wrap around the world like three times probably. That huge list, scroll, and yet I'm gonna take one of these and be like, yeah, but, but you lied to me. So I'm not gonna forgive you of that one. I know my list is long, but, but this one really hurt. And Jesus in verse 33 is like, should not you have forgiven your 3,000, I forgave you your 3,000 lifetime of work, of debt, and now three months pay, really? Think about your sin, the debt that I have forgiven before you hold this debt against another. And so I thought recently, my family and I, we traveled, we took a, a little summer vacation on a cruise. It's a cheap way to travel. I don't recommend it to anyone. It was like fraternity 2.0. Uh, <laughs> uh, different story, but nonetheless, we get to Mexico. We sailed from Galveston to Mexico. Sailed, cruised, I don't even know what, but uh, we, we, we remained sober when everyone else didn't, thank God. We get to Mexico and we get out and we've got our you know, little day packs or whatever. And Penny, there's a, there's a dog waiting to greet us. You know, we get, we're there on the little pier and we're walking and there's two people and they've got a little dog and Penny's like, look, a doggy. And I'm like, well, that's a, that's a drug sniffing, gun sniffing, bomb sniffing dog. Like she's wanting to like go and be like, hey, Skittles. And it's like, <laughs> and so you just like hold your bag. You hold your bag up to the dog. They're like, take off your bag and hold it to the dog. And so I've got my backpack, I hold it to the dog. Penny's got like her little thing, like, you know, they're like, don't touch the dog. And, and the reason why that dog is there is because there are certain things that are not allowed in the country. They're like, you're welcome here, but if you're bringing in guns, drugs, bombs, you're not, those things aren't welcome here. Now you are, but those things are not. And in the same way, in the same way, God's like, you are welcome into the kingdom of heaven, which is how this parable started. Because your debt has been forgiven at the cross, but there's something that's not welcome here because there is a custom where you drop that unforgiveness. That's, that's not welcome here. We don't have that in the kingdom of heaven. You need to forgive as you have been forgiven. And so we're gonna run a little screen here every single day that you would drop unforgiveness before you walk into the kingdom of God on this daily basis. Like if you realize you have that in your heart, like I, I, it, has no, it has no place here. I can't take that into the kingdom of God. And so I wanna ask a few questions before we say, how do we forgive? I wanna ask a few questions like, but what if we don't? Like, what if we don't? What if like the smoking is like, well, I, but I feel like it because of what they've done to me. Well, here's a phrase. If you do not pardon their sin, you will be poisoned within. If you do not pardon their sin, you, not them, will be poisoned within. It's been said about unforgiveness that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You're the one that's suffering as you harbor unforgiveness towards them. It's wrecking and destroying you. Hebrews 12 says that it's a root of bitterness that grows up and defiles many, you primarily, and then secondarily, just like secondhand smoke, like, ah, oh, I don't know what it is about you, but man, you like spiritually reek, like you're embittered in soul. What is it? Like, it's so hard to be with you. Well, you've been poisoned within because you didn't pardon their sin. And here's another one. Well, you see it actually, let me, let me go back to the parable. He says, he found his servant, seized him or grabbed him and began to choke him. He's shown mercy 
And then all of a sudden, just like at the cross, he's shown mercy. And then when he finds his other servant, he's like assaulting him, treating him horribly because he had been poisoned within. He, he had been forgiven of all his sin. And now he's like, oh, oh, and you, and you. And is acting like crazy and assaulting this guy, this fellow servant, because his unforgiveness, he had not pardoned sin and it had poisoned him within his reaction. Another one would be what you don't forgive, you are doomed to relive. What you don't forgive, you, not them, are doomed to relive in your mind. You know this, I don't have to tell you. You have these hypothetical hauntings where you think like, oh, when I see them, they're gonna say this and then I'm gonna say that. And they're gonna say this and then I'm gonna say that. And this is how I'm gonna treat them. And they're gonna know like, man, why haven't I heard from that person? They're gonna know, I'm gonna show them. And when I see them at this thing, you have these hypothetical hauntings that are wrecking you. You're reliving it because you haven't forgiven it. What you do not forgive, you are doomed to relive. You're the one still carrying all that. They're not, they're like maybe oblivious to the fact that they've even hurt you. But because of your unforgiveness, just like the servant in this passage, he's been forgiven and now he's like on the hunt, like who owes me? Who owes me? Who is indebted to me? And he's reliving it instead of being like, oh, I've forgiven, like I forgive everybody. I'm walking free. And so he's reliving it. In Romans 12, it says, do not take revenge, my brothers, for it's the Lord's to avenge. You entrust that to him. But here's worst of all, worst of all, worse than being poisoned within, worse of being doomed to relive the sin. Worst of all, it says, if you are not forgiven, you must wrestle with, then am I? If you don't forgive others, in this parable, you must wrestle with, then am I even forgiven? Jesus says it at the end here. In verse 35, he says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It says that he won't forgive the debt. Now, that can start to sound like works-based salvation, like wait, 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 wait. So I can trust in Jesus for my sins, but if I don't forgive people, then God doesn't forgive me? This is not salvific. Um, there's two things at play here, possibly. One, Luther said that confession, daily confession of sin to God was his daily baptism. See, nothing, it says, nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. That's Romans chapter eight. Nothing, including unforgiveness towards a fellow servant, fellow brother and sister in Christ. So what does it mean that it says your father won't forgive you if you don't forgive them from your heart? It means not that the relationship is broken. If you were in Christ, nothing, nothing can break your relationship with God. Yet, unforgiveness, harboring unforgiveness in your heart can hinder fellowship with God. He says, I've not heard your prayers in Isaiah 59. I do not hear your prayers because you've cherished sin in your heart. There's a hindering of fellowship. It doesn't break the relationship, nothing can, but it can hinder fellowship. If my, one of my sons mistreats my daughter and then doesn't address it and comes and is like, hey, let's go get ice cream. I'm like, no, no, you're still my son, but we're not gonna go act, we're not, we're not there's, a, there's something hindering our fellowship because of how you're treating your sibling. That needs to be reconciled. There's nothing breaking. You, you're not gonna unson or undaughter yourself because of what you've done, 
But there is something hindering a fellowship. And then secondly, secondly, when it says you need to, if you're not forgiving, which again is the height of hypocrisy for a Christian, to be forgiven and not forgive, it's crazy. And yet we're all tempted into it and wrestle with it. But the second thing that you should wrestle with if you're like, I'm not, I'm not a forgiving person, is you need to consider if you are forgiven salvifically. You know, there's a phrase that says, I'm spiritual but not religious. People say that all the time right now in this postmodern age. Like, well, I'm spiritual but I'm not religious. I wanna ask today in the hearing of the church, maybe you're religious but not spiritual. Maybe because that unforgiveness is an indicator of like, I go to church, I read my Bible, I, I pay tithes. And you're religious but not spiritual. You haven't been born again. You don't realize that all of your sin has been nailed to the cross. You just have been going through these motions and therefore there hasn't been a heart change. And so perhaps for some today, it's the realization of like, man, I am, I'm getting killed by unforgiveness. It's destroying me inside. And I do need to take my sin to Jesus to be forgiven, to be forgiven. So how do we forgive? Here's the application. How do we forgive? So these, these like small pieces of paper compared to my huge one, what you do, and I learned this from Nate Graybill, who is the author of Regeneration, the curriculum, our biblically-based Christ-centered 12-step program. He's the one actually that first showed me that smoking illustration, except he actually smoked on stage, so send him an email. But uh, <laughs> step eight, it didn't used to be, if you go to like AA or something, it's not actually explicitly one of the 12 steps, but he wrote it in to the 12 steps as of like, man, you, you have to, you can't walk through life with unforgiveness because all have sin, all are debtors, Christ forgives us at the cross and therefore we forgive as God forgave us, which is the third point. And so you look at this huge piece of paper, it's like, well, then how could I hold this against my fellow brother or sister? And the answer is that you take it to Jesus, that you take it to Christ. Like you dealt with my son, deal with theirs. That's where it says like, I'm not gonna take revenge. It's yours to avenge. And you might say like, well, if they're a believer, my sin has been nailed to the cross. And if they've trusted in Jesus, their sin has been nailed to the cross, including this sin that they committed against me. So they committed against me and I'm like, all right, well, you know, my son's nailed to the cross. They've trusted in Jesus. Their son's nailed to the cross. Who am I to go to the cross and be like, well, I know Jesus has forgiven you, but I won't. In this parable, he's like, hey, should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you remember their sin, you remember your sin. When you remember their sin, you remember your sin, which leads you back to the Jesus, the Jesus back to Jesus, and you're like, hey, you dealt with mine, you deal with theirs. But you may be thinking like, yeah, but they're not a believer. This person's wicked and evil. Well, it still belongs at the cross. When you think about the sin that they committed against you, if they're an unbeliever, you're still like, okay, well, Jesus, you get that one too. But they haven't trusted in you. It hasn't been nailed to the cross. So why am I giving it to Jesus? Because he will deal with it at judgment day. They will stand before God with their list of sins, yours included, the one they committed against you. They will stand before God and there will be justice. It'll be hell forevermore. Which that, that, should compel you and propel you to plead to God on their behalf, Lord, save their soul. One of the people that has hurt me most greatly in my life, I don't believe is a believer, or at least I, as far as I knew back then is not a believer, I still plead with God for their salvation. 
because the thought of them spending eternity in hell is haunting. And so it's not like, good, burn in hell. I'm trusting this one to Jesus. You'll meet him one day. And when you do, instead it's like, oh my goodness. Jesus says, love, pray, and bless your enemies. I sent the person a baby shower gift once after what they had, because I'm like, all right, well, Jesus says that we're to pray, love, and bless. <laughs> Y'all don't say amen much. We're kind of poised in this church, but God's like, amen. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome timing, Lord. <laughs> and so you lay it at the cross. But, but you may be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I get, I get that. But what about the really, what about the one? The one there's, there's some that are hard. And it's like, all right, I understand the principle. Like, they lied to me. They bullied me in junior high. They, they betrayed me. They cheated on me. Like, okay, I get it. Take it to the, take it to the cross. And I know that you know, I know at least, where I'm like, Lord, I forgive them. And then I wake up the next day having taken it to the cross and it's like, like a cat with a, I'm like, what, what in the world? Like, Lord, I said, I forgive them, please, please. And so you go back to the cross every single day until that thing sticks. I believe it's what Jesus instructs us to do in the Lord's prayer where he says, give us today, today our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's like, well, how often were we supposed to say that? It's like, I said daily bread. I know that this is gonna, like you're getting debted against just as you indebted to me with your sin. It's gonna happen on the daily. And so how often do you do it? Every single day until that thing sticks and is not on your mind anymore because sin is sticky, especially some of the really, really hard stuff. And so you keep going to the cross every single day until he takes it away. Today is our, um, Laura and I's 12 year anniversary. And so that's right. Uh, and so it's, it feels fitting to, to tell you a little bit about her. And sometime I'm going to have to have her come up here so you can actually meet her. You're like, is she real? Is she your girlfriend in Canada? Like, where is she? Uh, whenever the kids sin against her and they go and ask her forgiveness, mom, will you please forgive me for whatever I did? Her response, automatic, I can hear it in my mind. She was like, of course, of course, Judd. I forgive you just as Jesus forgives mommy for all of my sin. She says it on repeat. She is, she is doing what this parable says. Like she is taking herself back to the cross where all of her sin was forgiven and she's forgiving as God in Christ forgave her. She's, she's reminding them like, how could I not? Jesus has forgiven me of all my sin. How could I not forgive you? And at that same time, she's remembering her sin, which allows her to forgive theirs. If you're remembering their sin, the really sticky one, you just remember yours. If you're remembering their sin, if it's coming back up, either by your mind, you're reliving that, or Satan's bringing it to your mind to try to separate us. It says in 2 Corinthians, we're not unaware of his schemes. Then you just like keep remembering yours, take it back to the cross. But uh, I was telling Laura about this message actually. And she was like, she's like, I get it. I understand the principle, but like, what about, man, there's just like some sin that it's a little more than a post-it note, John. I was like, oh, you're right. And so for that, I want to have some, someone do something to me. This is Alex Hockett. He runs everything on Sunday. Amazing guy. We should give him a round of applause. 
But there's some things that you're like, I didn't do anything to deserve that. You know, maybe you lived for a decade in sexual abuse at the hand of a step-parent or a family member, and you're like, I had no, I, I had no part in that. That, that was done to me. And, and when you say there's a post-it note about that sin, that's insulting. That minimizes and diminishes the pain that I've experienced. Maybe it was a rape. Maybe it was physical assault. Maybe it was, I, I don't know what. I can't think of all the ones. But, but when I say post-it note, you're like, you have no idea. Because the sin that was committed against me is a weight. It is a weight upon me. I, I limp through life because of what was done to me. It's no post-it note. This has affected me. It causes me to limp in life. I see tears in the audience right now. You know what I'm talking about. And you've tried like, oh Lord, I forgive it. I wanna be done with it. And there it remains. No matter where you go, no matter what you pray, it remains like a weight upon you. And I know it's completely different. It's completely different than some post-it note. But the answer is the same. The answer is the same is that as you limp through life and are carrying that weight and pain, that you would go to the cross and there you find the key. The key to release the weight, the pain, the hurt, the time, the loss, the anger, the resentment, the rage, the hatred, the bitterness, because the key to forgiveness is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. And so you can take whatever that weight is and leave it at the cross and be done with it because we forgive as God has forgiven us. The forgiven forgive as God has forgiven us. This is found in Ephesians 4, 32 through 5, 1. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That we're to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us and that we just imitate God. God's just like, just do what I do. But here's the thing, you're not gonna be able to do that on your own strength. You need him. And especially you might think about some of the situations where you're like, yeah, but they keep doing it. Like I've forgiven them, but they keep doing it. Well, forgiveness doesn't equal trust. So if there's not repentance, it's really hard to become trusting. So forgiveness does not equal trust. Let me put it to you this way. If someone asked to borrow my car and they wrecked it, I'd be like, it's okay, I got insurance. Like accidents happen. They borrow it again, they wreck it again. They borrow it again, they wreck it again. They come to me a fourth time, like, can I borrow your car? I'm like, you're not gonna borrow my car. They're like, here's what they will say to you. They'll literally say, you said you forgave me. You said you forgave me. <laughs> you didn't forgive me. No, no, I forgive you. I forgive you as I've been forgiven in Jesus. But trust has been diminished. There's a loss of trust. It's not broken entirely, like we're still in a relationship, but, but I don't trust you with that thing right now or maybe in dating right now or with my investment right now or whatever it may be, I forgive you. But trust has been diminished. And then it's what if they never ask? What if they never ask? Like they never ask, they never recognize like, oh yeah, I, 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 I did that to you. And you may go to them like Matthew 18 says and say, hey, I'm, I'm your brother showing you your fault. And they're like, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. 
That's what you think. Well, you did this. What if they never ask your forgiveness? You still forgive. You still forgive as God and Christ forgave you. Otherwise, you're just, you're gonna carry it around the rest of your life. How do we know this? We know this not because of it's what we should do, it's what he did do. As he is on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They're murdering him in real time. They're not asking for his forgiveness. They're mocking him. And he says, Father, forgive them. He's entrusting justice to God. I'm not gonna be after justice. I have come to lay down my life. And so the forgiven forgive because all are debtors. The forgiven forgive because Christ has forgiven us and the forgiven forgive as God forgives. You remember, uh, you remember my, my smoking? I was addicted to cigarettes from 18 to 30. That was uh, you know, more than a decade of being addicted. And I remember I, uh, like Jesus saved me at the age of 30, set me free from alcohol. This was actually harder to quit tobacco than, than drinking in some senses. It was so hard. But I, but I began to realize what I said at the beginning, like, well, my body's a temple and my money's not mine, my body's not mine. And so I, I give you my life where you set me free. Every single day I was just asking him to set me free. And I wanna say the same thing to you today, that if you're wrestling with that unforgiveness and a really sticky sin or a really heavy one, don't do it on your own strength. Ask God to help you. Ask him to help you. And he will. You can't, but he can. You don't have the power. He has all power. Let's pray. Father, I ask well, first, let me thank you that you have forgiven us of all of our debt. And how could we not now forgive others of the debts against us? You've given us our daily bread and we ask that you would forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. And Lord, I ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would bring people to mind right now, specific people, and that we would forgive them from our heart as you instruct, from our heart, not with lip service, from our heart. And if it continues to stick, I pray we'd continue to take it to the cross daily. And for some that are really weighty, I pray, Lord, that they would find the key at the cross. And Jesus, our Savior, even as he was being crucified, was forgiving. And so take a moment to pray and release the debts that have been committed against you because you've been forgiven. Lord, as I hear that rain outside, and I know that everybody's about to get wet as they walk to their cars, I think about Luther saying confession was his daily baptism. <laughs> and that's supernaturally, Lord, even as we are covered physically with this water, that supernaturally right now as we go to you, hard as it may be to say, I forgive them as I've been forgiven, wash it away. Wash it away from our hearts and minds as those water drops hit us, remind us that the blood of Christ washed us of all of our sins. And keep washing it, keep washing until it's no longer sticky. Because we must show mercy as you have had mercy on us. 
And as a result, we now stand and sing to the one who paid our debt. Amen.